Welcome to Dig In, the podcast brought to you by Dig Insights. Every week, we interview founders, marketers, and researchers from innovative brands to learn how they're approaching their role and their category in a clever way. Welcome back to Dig In. This is an exciting episode. We've got Michael Hamm, who's the co-founder and president of Wild Orchard with us. Um, Wild Orchard is a regenerative green tea company. Michael, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me, Megan. A pleasure to be with you. Yeah. And um, when we had a chance to connect before the interview, I found out you're a fellow Canadian, which is always exciting. Uh, and a proud Canadian, as we all are, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I should be clear, though. You, you're you not based in Canada anymore. But um, yeah, I can't remember. Where are you from in Canada? Um, I was I was born in Ontario, moved to Vancouver when I was young, uh, graduated university, started my uh, professional career there. And then a week before 9-11, I moved to New York City. So good time to wow. move, right? <laughs> wow, that would have been pretty intense. <laughs> yeah. it, was, well, it was a crazy time and it was another world, uh, if you guys can imagine. Like, oh, I'm sure. Going to the airport, right? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can only imagine. Um, well, it's, it's exciting to have a fellow Canadian on the podcast today. Um, I want to dive right in because we've got loads to cover. Um, we're really excited to have you join us because this is quite a unique business. Um, and you've got a, a really unique background. Um, just, you know, starting a CPG uh, company or co-founding a, a CPG company, and you come from sort of a wellness tech background. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your background in tech and kind of what made you join or create Wild Orchard? Sure. Um, it's much, I mean, people see technology and tea or food or something as ancient as tea being drastically different, but because I, I pretty much carry the same mission with both companies, it's to me, it's it's the same thing. <laughs> so uh, just a little bit about my background. I was always interested in health. My mother was a nurse. She always tried to get us to eat healthy, even though she didn't like her lifestyle. She would work all day long. <laughs> but um, so it was kind of ingrained in us, you know, health, food is important, exercise is important. So I, when I, it came time to choose my major, I thought, OK, Food and exercise, that's how I'm going to impact people's lives positively, right? Help them eat right, make sure they're active. So I majored in kinesiology, I majored in nutrition. And for the better part of my career, I've been in the health and wellness field. Uh, about 10 years ago, I, I kind of entered the tech field and it with smart homes, going into homes, automating them. And I was, at that time, I really uh, came to understand better how much impact our environment had on our health not only food not only exercise but the air we breathe the water we drink and but fast forward to today now you see in the news more and more the air quality issues all around the world who says 99 percent of air is not acceptable 99 percent of the global population do not breathe That's, i didn't know that stat wow most people don't know it, but it's it's it, because it's invisible, first of all. And then um, water quality, too. There's no safe tap water. And now studies are showing there's no safe bottled water because microplastics are coming out of the plastics and 
when we drink bottled water, we're ingesting them. So, you know, Megan, if I ask you the question, I ask hundreds of other people this question, it's likely going to be yes. So my question is typically, do you know, have any friends or family that have been stricken by cancer? Yes. Yes. I think if we brought 100 people or whoever's in the audience, if we asked, if you took a poll, I would say 90% plus would say yes. And that's an yeah. unfortunate fact. But why does cancer happen? It's through stress, just like stress from life, right? Whether it's a traumatic event or just your job or where you are in your life, you're not happy, your marriage, whatever the case, right? Stress has a tremendous impact on health, environmental toxins, our diets. And so when our body cannot handle all of it, that's when our cells start to break down those types of impact, the, the, the toxins, they have a negative impact. And then that's how cancer forms, right? So one in two almost get cancer. And so for me, the environmental aspects that contribute to it, the dietary aspects, the being active and connecting to nature, that's why I think all of those things are the same thing to me. And that's how I want to make an impact. And that's why I, I, uh, I am a part of these ventures. Yeah, I think you mentioned it all kinds of comes back. Sorry, it all kind of comes back to the mission, right? Of why you're starting these businesses. Um, what was your What was your previous tech business in the wellness space? My tech business. Yeah, where did you oh, work it, before? It was revolving around smart homes, so automating lights, the door locks, uh, you know, security system, but and even like home theater and audio systems, but. You know, to me, that wasn't, I love technology just since I was a young kid. Uh, I loved even when GPS first came out playing with the maps and all that. But I love it, but I still wanted to find a way where the technology can help improve health. And that's where I kind of went down into the uh, deep dive with air quality and water quality. And now we can use monitoring and hardware to automate indoor air quality so that it's always optimized for human health. Just like you set a thermostat in Canada, you set it at around 22.5, and then you forget it because you expect your temperature to always be at that level. Now we have the capability of setting the air quality in the green zone, and if you have the proper equipment, it'll always keep it in the green zone so your family is actually not negatively impacted by these environmental factors. Okay, very cool. Um, and I know that you know, you kind of see this as all kind of connected to the wellness space, which it absolutely is, um, you know, your previous experience and then um, your time now at Wild Orchard. But I'm wondering kind of what you learned from the the years you spent working in the technology space that you brought to your your new business. I see, I see. Yeah, that's a great question. So it's hard to pinpoint one thing. Uh, but if there's anything I would say that I was a huge asset or benefit working in the tech field, you have to network a lot. I mean, I guess this is applicable across all industries, but in the tech field, you have hardware, you have software. So you're always going into different areas. You have to build relationships and you have to find a way to bring value to each other. You have to make it a win-win, right? So 
to be able to grow your business, you have to always consider what is that person's needs? How can I fill that? And then how can I share my needs and we can help each other? And I think in the tech industry, uh, especially as tech advances so quickly, those types of opportunities were really out there. And I think I've taken a lot of that into the CPG space. So that, that certainly helped a lot. Yeah, that's really interesting. I wasn't expecting you to say that, but that's very true. Um, in terms of building you know, a business strategy or um, any of the sort of strategic elements, would you say that it's all the same regardless of what industry you're working in? The large scope is the same. And then per industry, you have your nuanced uh, uh, areas where it's very specific to that area. The, the, just going back to your previous question, the, the major benefit of being in two industries is if you're only in one, you typically go down that rabbit hole of doing things the way things have always been done. Whereas if you're part of two separate industries that have their own nuances, you can actually cross apply certain things that have worked. And I think that's a huge, huge asset because I heard someone yesterday speak on a podcast and they were saying most conferences are so boring because you have someone in their cubicle and they start talking about just what they know and then you go down that rabbit hole and they are only giving you a one-dimensional look into things. And he said that the best conferences are where people are working in a cubicle, but they stand up and they look around and see what everyone else is doing and they kind of take their work and put it in perspective of the whole so that when they speak, they don't, they give it a much more, con, uh, much more context, right? And uh, holistic viewpoint of their work because it's within the holistic perspective. I think it's the same thing with working in multiple different uh, industries. You can actually bring a lot of that to, to the table. Yeah, that's so interesting. Like that multidisciplinary approach. I'm just, we were just at a uh, research and insight conference. Um, and I can imagine, you know, obviously client side researchers come to the conference and there's insight suppliers there, but I can just imagine if we were to bring in, I don't know, like a user research element or maybe more of like a marketing lens that could make it even more interesting because there's more business context. So oh. I totally get what you mean there. That's a, that's a really interesting perspective. Okay. I could probably continue talking about that all day. I find that really <laughs> fascinating, but I do want to dive into Wild Orchard a little bit. Can you tell me, you know, what's happening? What made you start Wild Orchard? Like what's happening in the tea market right now? Okay, so uh, why did we start Wild Orchard? Obviously there's a health crisis, right? Nutrition. Uh, the nutrient density in foods are 40% less than like one apple today and you compare it to an apple 30, 40 years ago, the nutrient value of it is considerably less. It's in the 30 percentile, which is tremendous. So if you're paying for two apples, would you not want something that's more nutrient dense, <laughs> right? So that's one of the big issues of uh, industrial farming today. So it's one area where I thought we could really make an impact on any given day half of the US population drinks tea in some form or another. So it's wide, it's a widely consumed product. Uh, we're, we, we came into the business with a mission to provide the healthiest teas, which mean teas grown in the healthiest soil. And then we wanted to um, 
be more innovative because the tea category has been very stagnant. Like Megan, you go to the super uh, supermarket and go to the tea section, it's probably been the same or looks the same as if you went 10 years ago. There's not a lot of innovation. It's the same commodity uh, produced teas from certain countries. And you don't really see premium high teas on the shelf. So when we started the company, we were like, let's bring tea to another level. Let's give people access to an elevated tea product that's going to be great for their health, their taste buds, but also for the planet. Because when you cultivate teas or any crop for that matter, regeneratively, you're actually uh, taking care of the health of the soil. That soil, when it has a greater healthy microbiome, is uh, more capable of pulling carbon from the air. So you're reversing climate change. And there's, there's just so many benefits. A whole hour I could talk about the benefits, but that's really our mission. We wanted to make teas that are elevated in flavor, uh, better for your health, and then doing something to improve uh, the, the climate and, and our environment. Okay. Very cool. It's funny, we, I think it was yesterday, actually, I recorded a podcast, um, isn't out yet, although it may be out by the time this one goes live, but it was with the founder of Toodaloo, which is a trail mix company. um, And they're really focused on regenerative agriculture as well. Um, So I got schooled a little bit um, in a great way in the episode yesterday. Um, and she said the exact same thing. She said, I could talk about this, you know, forever, why it's, it's so necessary and so important for, for us to care about this essentially. And I always think that, I mean, I completely agree. And I think that anyone who, who heard about what's going on with sort of, um, industrial farming and, and, um, regenerative agriculture would care, but I wonder to what extent we think consumers sort of are willing to pay a premium for um, a mission like that? Like, how how do you guys think about promoting your mission versus promoting um, maybe the taste benefits of your tea or um, the like health benefits of your tea? Do you put your mission right there on the package? Um, yeah, what does that sort of balance look like for you guys? That's great. And a lot of companies, they kind of told the balance between those things in their own way. Uh, For us, um, you know, people have a limited attention span, so you can't do everything. (laughs) Right. So uh, we want to do a bit of everything at opportune times. But I mean, the numbers say it. Uh, A recent study says that 62 percent of consumers in the U.S. I don't know why they don't say North America, but it's it's all U.S. right. It's so okay. 62, don't worry. <laughs> I'm speaking as a Canadian, but anyways, sixty two percent of consumers take into account a brand's uh, position on sustainability when they decide to purchase a product, which has gone up gone up tremendously. And the biggest driver are younger people, millennials and Gen Z. So to me, when I see that, it really bodes well for the future because consumers are starting to pay with their dollars. It doesn't matter what policy is set. As long as the consumers are paying for their dollars, policy will follow suit, right? It's not the other yeah, way around. Absolutely. Right? So um, 
like just one example is women's voting rights. It's not like policy was set and then it happened. There was a constant struggle and fight for it. At at a certain point, they had to cave in and it became policy. So there's a, you know, it's a similar, uh, similar lines with, um, with our mission. Uh, so we do want to convey our mission because we want to cater to people and we want them to be able to trust in our brand. That's that's a very key component of why we do what we do. And then during COVID, what happened? Everyone is now thinking about their health, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, so we people are looking for, okay, how is this product going to help me li- li- uh, live healthier? So we also want to include that. So it's, it's a fine line. Uh, I don't think we can say this over that, but it's a matter of how do we fit it in where it can be digestible. Yeah, absolutely. And with Wild Orchard specifically, I mean, I wish I, I wish I wasn't asking such a naive question, but do you have specific, specifically competitors within the tea space that are doing what you guys are doing with regenerative agriculture? Or um, do you guys kind of see yourselves pioneering this space? What does the competitive landscape look like? So the tea category as a whole is extremely competitive, maybe not as competitive as ice cream, but if you go to your tea section <laughs> at your retailer, you're just going to see so many brands, right? So as a whole, it's very competitive, but I mentioned to you before, we want to disrupt the tea industry. There has been, you won't see any international tea award winning brands on the shelf. They're mostly commodity, right? So we want to be the first. ROC, uh, Regenerative Organic Certification, RTs are the first to get rock and only right now for the Camellia sinensis plant. And so uh, exactly, we want to pioneer this movement. We want to influence and uh, motivate and inspire other tea brands who have a mission to make a greater impact on people and the planet. We want them to kind of look at regenerative as a great, great collective solution for the greatest crisis of our time. And uh, as you said, we, you know, it's hard to say that we're pioneers, but we are in the beginning stages of that, for that movement for the tea industry. So we do want to set a great example and we want to be very embracing everyone and educating them and encouraging them to join this movement. Amazing. I mean, I spoke to, it must've been almost a year ago now. I spoke to um, someone who works in fashion retail uh, on the podcast and she was talking about how challenging it is for fashion retailers to switch to more sort of sustainable production. Again, kind of a naive question. Why is it that people that, you know, maybe all of those competitors that you talked about on shelf, like, why are they not interested in switching is it a supply chain issue is it like they would have to yes you're nodding your head okay actually so a lot of tea companies they source from multiple farms right and so what happens is to get each farm certified it's it's just very difficult why it's why why was why it was easier for us is because we we are single farm source right direct farm direct so we were able to help them navigate through everything. Everything was English. We helped them translate everything. So right. it was, for, if you're going to do that with 10 farms, or if your brand is sourcing from 100 farms, it's like very, very challenging. I think that's one of the big roadblocks, you know? Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
switching gears a little bit, we in a previous conversation, we talked about accessibility and how that's super important to your brand. Why is that so core to your mission? Well, we think that because our keys are cultivated regeneratively, that if more people consume it, it's better for their own personal health, contributing to the climate uh, crisis positively. So we want to make it as accessible as possible. Doesn't matter where you are, what country you're from, what socioeconomic status you are. We want to have a tea product that can contribute to your health. And then by you consuming that, in effect, it's going to uh, build our collective power to uh, reverse climate change. And we're just one tea brand doing regenerative. So then it's working together supporting other regenerative brands in other food categories or drink categories. And we're all working together with that similar mission of making our products accessible, affordable, so that we can make uh, impact at scale. And that's that's really the main reason why we want to do that. Okay. And, and we also talked about how you've got big plans to have Wild Orchard teas in Michelin star restaurants. Um, and I remember we kind of laughed the last time we chatted because it was like, oh, you know, accessibility on one hand, but then, you know, Michelin star is almost this exclusive club. Like how do those two things go hand in hand for you? So you're right. Michelin star is not totally accessible. It's, it's, <laughs> it's only available for a few, but let me tell you where I'm getting at here. So we were just so fortunate. We, um, we were accepted by Noma uh, at their New York pop-up. Our teas were selected. They're the number one restaurant. And last year, there are three-star Michelin. So at the top of the top, the chef recipe is world-renowned. So that gave us so much confidence. So then we, I started reaching out to other three-star Michelin. And we're actually talking to several. And we've done tastings, and they love it. So we're talking about wow, how to so it's not it. just it's not just plans. You guys no, are, it's happening. We're, we're in the middle of yeah. it. We're in the middle of it. It's amazing. So we are... So we're talking about a co-branded Wild Orchard plus the chef, some so-and-so, a co-branded. So, and then we're going to have tea bags, which are less than $10, right? So if someone really wants to incorporate healthy tea into their lifestyle, they can do so. But how great is it for someone to buy a tea and say, yeah, this is the tea brand that's also in the Michelin star. One day I'm going to go to that restaurant or I'm going to try that tea. So we want to create excitement around tea and we want to get people excited and we want people to feel like, oh, yeah, this brand is all over the place. You know, people love to be a part of a, a have brand name stuff but most of the stuff if it's luxury bags it's way out of the price point right like a louis vuitton or whatever but with tea we want to elevate the quality of the tea but still have a sub ten dollar product that anyone can access very cool i'm excited to i mean i don't dine in michelin star restaurants very often but um if and when i do i'll make sure to to take a look for your teas on the menu thank you <laughs> <laughs> and um, we've got a few more questions before we wrap up, but I, before we get on to our rapid fire questions, I did want to ask, you know, what, what's next for you guys, other than those continued conversations with um, a few other Michelin star players, are you guys looking at any sort of product innovation? Um, yeah. What's on the roadmap? Sure. So we're about to come with 
uh, with our teabag line, the sub $10 products yeah, very right. soon in the next couple of months, they'll be available on Amazon and our D2C site. Uh, we're starting to um, strategize and map out our retail uh, uh, roadmap. So uh, we've, uh, Whole Foods got in touch with us recently, their forager, we sent in samples. So we hope to start our retail journey in our backyard of New York with about 50 to 100 stores. And uh, we want to get a lot more press. I think uh, a few well-known outlets have shown interest in writing an article about our connection with Michelin star restaurants. So that'll get us a lot of press, get people to uh, get a better um, kind of understand our brand and w what we're about. And then, um, yeah, next year, by the end of next year, I, ho I hope to be in many more regions throughout the U.S. and of course, I want to bring our teas of up into course. my home country of Canada. So <laughs> I want a reason to travel up to Canada, right? So sometime next year, have it available there. But one product in um, uh, one thing when we when we talk about accessibility, there are even people that can't afford a ten dollar tea product, right? So what we're trying to do right now is partner with some nonprofits like food banks or uh, nutritional educational courses for the for uh, the underprivileged underprivileged communities and we want to partner with them we want to do teeth tastings we want to uh, educate them about how to incorporate it in their lifestyle make some donations and things like that and that brings our accessibility full circle right so the philanthropy uh, kind of element to it and then we're, we're you know we're going to have a bottle tea product so to do that you need to brew the two tea leaves most bottled tea leaves, like Snapple, like you just name any bottled tea, they brew it. But what do you think happens to the tea leaves, Megan? Oh. They either get I mean, dumped. I would just imagine they get, yeah, I was going to say, I would imagine they get dumped. They're mostly getting dumped, or if they're thoughtful about it, they'll put it into compost, which means at least it's being put to good use, right? And our teas are world-class, so to throw away those tea leaves is just... It's not possible. I would never let that happen. So for two years, we've been wondering, how can we save these precious tea leaves from the, from even going into compost, right? So we found a way, we found a partner that can dry them even at a greater level than freeze dry. Freeze dry, you still have about 10% moisture. This is like, or 5% moisture. This is bringing it down to like 2% moisture. So it's extremely dry but it's gonna contain all the nutrients of the tea leaf. 98, 99% will be locked in and we're creating tea flakes, crystal flakes. Oh, so wow. you can sprinkle these on your salad. I always joke when you have a McDonald's, this is so burger, cool. you, can, you can sprinkle on even your Big Mac and you'll elevate the nutrient <laughs> value of your Big Mac, right? So, so that product, because it's an upcycled product, it's gonna be cheap. Well, I, I can't say cheap, but because it, it's relative to everybody, right? But we're gonna be able to bring to market a relatively low cost product that has a super high nutritional value. And all you have to do is sprinkle it, salad, soups, your food in your water. And when you consume it, you're gonna get all the benefits of the antioxidants and all the great things that come out of tea. So we're really and will it be flavored like the tea or does the flavor is that flavor gone at that point? So that's the thing because it was brewed already. 
it's actually almost flavorless. So it's not going to, if you put it in your smoothie, it's not going to overpower the existing right. fruits. So it's a, it's a great, great way to add nutrition, nutritional value and um, build your health uh, each day. That's so cool. I'm so, tea flakes. Yeah. Didn't know that was going to come out of this conversation, but very, very cool. Okay. I have a few questions. We ask them to each person who joins us. Uh, Michael, if you gained double your budget tomorrow, what would you spend it on? Oh, that'd be a very welcome uh, event. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I believe that the most important asset in a company are the people. So I would probably use a large portion of it to build out our team, people who align with our culture, our mission, who are passionate, who are going to move the needle. And um, yeah, I would spend uh, the majority of that on people. Are there any people specifically, like in terms of any gaps on your team? Um, I'm thinking like, is it like, is it new business? Is it marketing? Is it, you know, innovation or R&D? Like where, what kind of people would you be looking for? What kind of roles so would you be looking for? Every team is going to have either two. Uh, okay. So we have a small team of five, six people and everyone has their strengths and expertise. So where we don't have expertise, our strategy is really to outsource to people in the CPG industry that can provide a lot of value. So those are like Amazon accounts, how to maximize gotcha. sales. Um, you know, uh, retail, we don't have a lot of experience in retail. So hiring someone who can um, uh, get, our, get our products into uh, more retailers and also stock our products on the shelves, make sure they're not empty, things like that, that we're not used to. Like our team will go out to the stores and do demos and interact with our community and try to get people to try our product. But there are certain areas where we don't have the expertise so we would outsource it but we would only outsource it to people that once again are aligned with our philosophy that understand regenerative and and we're aligned and moving in the same direction we we're not just going to look at someone they do a great job for this company a b and c they really have to understand what we're trying to do and, and we want to do it together right awesome and the inverse question if you lost half of your budget what would you do what would have to go? Oh, that's an easy answer. It would cut everything out except for our people. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't, because when we bring on people, like it's a huge process. We've got to find out if they're a good fit, they, that they align with our mission. They join and they choose us because they believe in the mission to all of a sudden cut them out and let them go because our budget was cut in half. That would be the last thing I would want. So I try to look at everything else first. Um, expenses, you know, cogs, uh, you, you name it. Yeah. And what's the coolest new food or beverage product that you've seen on the market other than Wild Orchard, of course? Yeah. So I, uh, I, you should start following uh, these folks. They're from Canada, Quebec. It's a it's a chocolate company called Midday Squares, and uh, the one of the founders, co-founders there is Jake Carls. Uh, if you follow him, you'll be entertained, you'll be wowed, uh, you'll get insight into the entrepreneurial journey. Uh, he's just fabulous, and he's turned into a friend. So wonderful, wonderful guy, co-founders, their whole team. Uh, 
there's a regenerative ice cream brand, Alex Ice Cream, A-L-E-C. They're the first regenerative brand, so they really care, similar mission to us, really care about people's health, the planetary health. Uh, so check them out. They're, they, they're on the West Coast and they're starting and we're actually trying to collaborate with them with our rock, uh, red, rock teas. So uh, we sent them our matcha powders. So he's trying to come up with the matcha ice cream. So if he uses ours, cool. it'll be rock certified. So we're looking forward to that collaboration and hope it pans out. But that's an excellent, excellent ice cream. Uh, that's how I know how the ice cream category is so crowded. <laughs> he told me how, <laughs> how bad it is, right? So it's inspiring also to see someone like him, a similar mission to us in a crowded category, trying to elevate the quality, right? And the mission. And then, um, yeah, I mean, those are two that stand out in my mind right now. Very cool. Michael, this was awesome. Um, so interesting, so educational. Where can people find Wild Orchard and where can they connect with you? So uh, we would love for anyone listening to try our teas. Our website is wildorchard.com, not orchid. A lot of people sometimes <laughs> they mistype it, but it's wildorchard.com. And then we're on the, all the major uh, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, in, uh, under Wild Orchard Tea or Wild Orchard Teas. So you can follow us. We try to give a lot of the scenes of the farm, how our farmers are cultivating. We want that transparency. That's the only way to build trust with our community when they can see the people that are growing their teas care so much about human and planetary health. They can buy in and say, wow, this is a brand I can trust. So uh, please, if you are on any of these networks, please uh, tag us or follow us. and. We'd be honored to have you in our community. Amazing. I'll talk to you soon, Michael, and see you guys next week for another episode of Dig In. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Mary. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in this week. Find us on LinkedIn at Dig Insights, and don't forget to hit subscribe for a weekly dose of fresh content.